0: We'll see what the Lord has for us today. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's start with prayer and just come before the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you. Thank you for last week's message, God. What a powerful word. God, we ask that you fully bless Jeannie who brought that message and all those who came to help and all those who came to hear. We thank you for that, Lord, that that message is going to resound on the inside of us and cause us to jump up in faith and to jump up and be healed and to jump up and receive all that you have for us. And we thank you, Lord, that today is the day that we receive healing. Today is the day that we receive those miracles which we are seeking. Today is the day that we receive correction and revelation and understanding. And we give you the glory and the honor and the Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So before, um, I think so, yes. Bob was in charge of that. So it is recorded. Okay, then I will get that um, on okay. the thing this week if I can. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Praise God. Okay, so this is Healing School, and I just want to remind you that I'm not here to give you something that you don't already have. I'm here to take everything away from you that doesn't look like Jesus Christ so that you are left with the finished work of Christ, which consequently includes healing. So when we take everything away from you that doesn't look like Jesus, we're taking away traditions of man. We're taking away... Um, sickness, disease, we're taking away poverty, we're taking away um, addictions, we're just taking them all away, every ache, every pain, you know, nothing's too big for God, but nothing's too small for God either. You know, sometimes in the in the world of Christianity, we have this mentality of, you know, I don't want to bother God with the small things. I want to save it until I get a really big thing, and then I'll take that to God. But that's really detrimental to our faith. Because we have these small things, and if we're going to God over the small things, And we're practicing going to God. Think of the small things as a practice, right? This isn't so significant maybe, but I'm practicing going to God. I'm practicing using my faith. I'm practicing standing on the promises of God for something small. And then guess what's going to happen when something big happens? You're already going to know how to stand on the promises of God. If we look at the life of David, for example, when he was a shepherd, he had to protect the sheep, and he had to kill a lion, and he had to kill a bear. And those, although they were pretty big, they were insignificant compared to what he did when he slew Goliath. Now, when he came to kill Goliath, there were the whole Israeli army was out there and the whole Philistine army was out there and this giant was in the midst of them taunting them and saying send out your best guy and if your best guy can kill me we'll leave you alone but if your best guy can't kill me then your whole army is going to be our slaves forever and ever that's a big deal. There's a lot riding on that. And you know, when David came up to that Philistine, he encouraged himself and the Lord by saying, I came against a lion and the Lord helped me. I came against a bear and the Lord helped me. Now I'm coming against this uncircumcised Philistine. Surely the Lord will help me. He's the Philistine to David, although it's giant in the Israeli Um, army's eyes was nothing to him because he saw it like the lion and like the bear it's so easy for God to take care of these situations and you may be believing God for healing from a headache now but then you might be used to minister to someone who has cancer and you might be able to say hey I know that God heals headaches so I know that he heals cancer I know that God heals a knee pain, so I know that he'll heal a back or a liver or whatever it is. And, and you've got to, that's why nothing's too small for God, and we've got to start believing God right where we're at. You may think, well, I don't have faith for resurrection from the dead to go lay hands on someone and pull them out of a coffin like Smith Wigglesworth, but that doesn't matter right now. What matters is do you have faith To go lay your hands on someone and command their back to stop hurting? Do you have faith to lay your hands on yourself and command yourself to be healed? To rebuke a fever or to get rid of a headache? And if you do, then why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you working it, right? And so be aware of that, you know, whatever these small things are. I don't... This is totally led by the Holy Spirit. I know somebody's dealing with something small, and you may think it's too big for God, but I'm telling you, nip it in the bud right now. Cut it off right now. The scriptures say, give no place to the devil, give no place to the enemy's work. If you can cut it off with your tiny little bit of faith right now, you won't be in a battle about it later. Amen? You know, sometimes sickness or disease starts with one little germ, one little ache, one little pain. And if you start believing God now for healing in that area, you're, it's not going to get bigger. It's not going to manifest itself and develop into something that you're going to be in a fight in later. You know, I mean, if you are experiencing a slight loss of hearing and you're thinking, well, it's not that bad it'll be okay. I can still hear. I'm good. I don't, you know, really nip it in the bud right now. Nip it in the bud right now. Get rid of it now. Put your faith on it now for your full hearing to be recovered right now so that you don't end up in a battle later. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing too big for God, but there's nothing too small for God either. Even if it's something tiny, like maybe one of your fingernails broke. I don't know. Just start believing God wherever you are. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So, we have established here that it is 100% God's will to heal 100% of the people 100% of the time. Amen. Amen. There's no question about God's will in the Bible. And then we talked about the I know factor. We talked about if any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know, which means there's always more to learn, right? We kind of get in trouble when we say, oh, I already know about that. Um, I I already know that scripture. I don't need to know that scripture again. What happens is you're putting up a shield, and it's not the shield of faith you're putting up the I know shield, and the I know shield means any revelation that's coming towards you is going to bounce off that shield and fall away from you, because you've got your little shield up of I already know that, and we've got to be really careful not to do that, especially when it comes to the scripture, because we just have to remember that the scripture is inexhaustible, it's inexhaustible you will never exhaust all the revelation even out of a half a verse of the bible this side of heaven you will never exhaust the revelation that's in one scripture this side of heaven you could read one scripture from now until the day that the lord comes back or the day you go home and be with the lord and i guarantee you in 10 years you will know more about that scripture than you can possibly know today I guarantee you, it's just how God is, it's how the Word of God is, it's how it works. You'll never mine all the life out of that scripture. So if if you go up for prayer, and you call a friend for prayer, and then you call another friend for prayer, and they're always giving you the same scripture, the same scripture, the same scripture, Don't be an idiot and say, I already know that. Don't be an idiot and say, don't give me that same scripture. I've heard that a thousand times. Be wise and say, thank you, and take that scripture to God and say, you know, Lord, you must be trying to tell me something. And maybe I have to hear this scripture a hundred more times before I get it, but you've got my attention, God, and I'm going to listen to this scripture and I'm going to meditate on this scripture and I'm going to hear this scripture and I'm going to speak this scripture over and over and over again until I get out of it the life that you want me to have. And if that means you're on one scripture for two weeks, you're on one scripture for two weeks. You know, you don't throw your medication out just because you had it before. If you, if you deal with urinary tract infections, for example, and you're dealing with that, they, often they give you the same antibiotic. If it worked in the past, it's going to work again. And they'll give you the same one. You don't look at your doctor and say, I already had that antibiotic. I'm not going to take that again. Well, did it work in the past? Well, yes. Well, then why wouldn't you take it again? right why why don't we come to the word of God with that same mentality and say you know I've already had this scripture but I could take it again it worked then it's going to work now amen and then we'll get to a place where we really understand and then we talked about how people came to hear and be healed and as we're going through the miracles of Jesus we're going to see this more and more Um, I don't know if I should take questions at the beginning or the end or both So right now, I'm just going to open it up for if you have thought of any questions, if you have questions about healing, about last week's, or any of the other messages that I've given, and you have a question about those things, um, I encourage you to ask those questions now. You know, there is no question that is a dumb question. It's going to be okay. Ask your questions.
1: A couple weeks ago, I think you used the letters GTS.
0: Oh, Gospel Truth Seminar. I think it's related to Andrew Womack Ministries, and he has one every year. So good question.
1: Immediately. Okay. Why does it take time for one and not the other? Maybe I'm not ready to receive it?
0: Well, you are ready to receive. Um, an addiction can be taken away immediately, but the Word of God is built line upon line and precept upon precept. Okay? If you think about learning how to read, for example, you had to learn that A, Makes the ah sound and C makes the k sound and T makes the t sound before you could put it together and say cat, C A T, k at, right? And so when you start putting it together, you get a word. And after you get that word, then you can put your words together and get sentences, and you can put your sentences together and get books. It's the same thing with the word of God. You are learning the basic principles of faith, the basic principles of salvation, the basic principles of healing, all and the basic principles of prosperity. You're learning phonics right now. And that's just where you are, and that's okay. It's a beautiful place to be. We never go into a kindergarten classroom and tell these little kindergartners, you should be able to read the novel by, you know, Charles Dickens, or, you know, you should be reading Shakespeare by now. We never go to a kindergarten classroom and say those things. And you know what? Those kids don't even care that they can't read Shakespeare. You know, like it is not keeping them up at night that they cannot read Shakespeare. And it shouldn't keep you up at night that you don't know everything about God's word either. What should, what you should be doing is, which is exactly what you're doing, and that's coming and learning line upon line, precept upon precept, and in In a few short years, you're going to find, if you keep asking God for wisdom and revelation, you're going to find that the scriptures have been opened up to you in a powerful way, and you're going to find you understand the grace of God and the healing power of God and the prosperity of God and the deliverance of God and the goodness of God better than so many people because you're coming at it with a right heart. So just keep going. amen. So praise God. Don't be frustrated that it takes a little while. Like I said, those kids in kindergarten are not upset that they can't read Shakespeare today. They're enjoying that they know that A, apple, ah, and they're enjoying that they know that they can say k, at, and say the word cat. So be excited in what you're learning, and don't worry about what you don't know, but keep seeking the Lord. And eventually, you'll know all there is to know, just like everyone else, that seeks him. Amen? Amen. Good question. Thank you for that. Any more questions? The Holy Spirit helps me. (laughs) Any more questions about healing, about deliverance, receiving healing, ministering healing? No? Okay. Well, be sure to write your questions down as if they come up. And if I answer them when I'm teaching, write the answer down. Um, And if I don't answer it while I'm teaching, then when we have opportunities to ask questions, please ask your questions. Because the more questions you ask, the more it's going to help you and the more it's going to help other people, okay? Because we are recording these, and who knows how many people have that exact same question that you have. It's going to help people. Okay, so we're going to look at the first, well, I don't know if it's the, it's not the first miracle of Jesus. That was the one where he turned water into wine. But we're going to look at the um, Matthew 8. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 5. And we're going to look at these three different accounts of the healing of the leper by Jesus. It's Matthew's account and Mark's account and Luke's account. So we have Matthew chapter 8, Mark 1. I'm going to mark my Bible now too. And then Luke chapter 5. Okay. We're gonna start in Matthew eight. Verse one, it says, When he was when he, Jesus, was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, what we've talked about this um, when we were talking about God's will to heal, but I want to reiterate it for you that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus only does what he sees the Father do, only says what he hears the Father say. So Jesus Christ walking on this earth, he is the revealed and the manifested will of God. And we read and we've studied that he's no respecter of persons. So he is the revealed and manifested will of God for all people for all time. In other words, because God doesn't change and because Jesus doesn't change, if what is going on in this passage worked for them there, it's going to work for us here. If it worked for them there, it will work for us here because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because the principles of God are stable and unchanging. That's really good news. Because once you grab hold, once you lay hold of the principles of God and you start operating in those principles of God, they will never change. You know, in this world, we have, well, you know, I'm just going to go back to your childhood maybe. Have you ever had a game, a board game that you're playing with your brothers and sisters or friends, and boy, as soon as you start winning, they change the rules? (laughs) I forgot about this rule. And now, all of a sudden, you're not winning anymore. And then you get the rule, and you start playing with it. And then you get really good at it. And then all of a sudden, they change the rules. That's kind of how the world system is set up. You get so far in life, and then they change the rules. You get so far. Many people who um, came out of the industrial age, and they learned a trade. And then, all of a sudden, we come into the information age, and now they need a degree to do their trade. It's crazy. It's, it's dumb to change the rules. It sets people back. But I have good news for you. God doesn't change the rules. When you grab hold, when you lay hold of a principle of God and you start that operating and working in your life, the rules are never going to change based on your feelings based on your experience, based on someone else's feelings, based on someone else's experience. You know, we like to say that our experience is everything, but it's nothing compared to the truth of the word of God. Amen. Amen. So what we're looking at here when we're reading these scriptures, we're looking at Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're looking at the principles of God that never, ever change. So we're, and we're looking at them being revealed to this person who's receiving a healing and to all of us. So we're looking at the revealed will of God, and we'll see that a healing has been manifested, and so we're also looking at the manifested will of God. So we're looking at the revealed and the manifested will of God for all people for all time. For you and for me. The reason I'm going a little slow and breaking it down for you here is because a lot of times people get funny about words. And they say, well, you know, there's God's will and then there's God's revealed will. The only difference between God's will and God's revealed will is what you know. It's not different to God. God only reveals things that line up with his actual will. Does that make sense? And the only difference between God's manifested will and God's unmanifested will is whether or not the principle is working in your life. When you lay hold of that principle, you never have to say, I'm waiting on the manifestation of my healing, right? If you have a question, write it down. And we'll get to it, because I'm probably going to answer it in a minute here. And if I don't, you can ask it. We're looking at the revealed and manifested will of God for all people, for all time. And if it worked for them there, it's going to work for us here. Amen. Amen. And we know Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Okay, so I'm going to read this one more time, and then we're going to go on. It says here, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou will, thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now if we go over to Luke, let's go over to Luke chapter 5, I'm going to have to turn back a page, hold on, starting in verse 12, this is Luke's account of the exact same miracle. And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou will, thou can make me clean. And he put forth his hand, and he touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged no He charged him to tell no man but to go and show thyself to the priest and offer thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Okay. So Luke was a physician. I don't know if you know this or not. Some of you probably do. Some of you may not. Matthew was not a physician, but Luke was a physician. So Luke says he was a man full of leprosy. And when we look at the miracles of God through Luke's eyes, he's going to give us a little more detail because that's what physicians do. They give you more detail. But if we go back and we look at what leprosy is, it's characterized by nodules that spread, um, causing a loss of sensation and deformity. That's what leprosy is. It's characterized by nodules that spread throughout the body, and it's characterized by this loss of sensation and deformity. It also includes severe types of psoriasis. In Leviticus, we can see that leprosy really is skin problems. It boils all over the skin. It's an infectious disease. It's characterized by sores and scabs and spots under the skin and loss of nerve sensitivity. This leprosy is a serious disease. It's important for us to see. And it's highly contagious, serious disease. And when people had leprosy in the Old Testament, what they were supposed to do was live all alone. They were supposed to go out of the city, they weren't allowed to come in the city. They were to be all alone, and if they were approaching someone or if someone was approaching them, they had to yell, unclean, unclean, so that people wouldn't come by them and contract that disease. That was their responsibility to do that so that it didn't spread. So right here in Luke, it says, there was a, and it came to pass that he was in a certain city. What does that mean? That means there was a specific city, an actual city that he was in. This is not a parable. This is not a fairy tale. It's not a type. It's not a shadow. There was a real city, and a real man who actually had leprosy really came to Jesus. And this man who had leprosy, he came to Jesus in the city. He wasn't supposed to be in the city He could have gotten stoned to death for walking in the city. The cost of him seeking God was so great, he would have lost his life had somebody decided to call him out and stone him before he got to Jesus. Before he got to Jesus, there's a cost to trying to get to Jesus. It would have cost this man his own life, and he did not hesitate to come to Jesus. He heard about Jesus because fame had gone abroad about Jesus. He didn't necessarily know that Jesus was the son of God. Most of the people didn't know that at this time. It wasn't revealed to them yet. He probably thought Jesus was a good prophet or something. Prophets went around healing people, and he knew that this man could heal him. And when he came to him, He said, I know you can if you will. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's okay. Let's go over to uh, Mark and we'll read Mark's account and we'll just start there. And then if I need to come back to this, I will. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. And there came a leper, he's a real person, to Jesus, a real person, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and said unto him, See that thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out, and began to publish it much, And to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. I want you to notice something here. Jesus healed this man and told him, don't tell anyone. It is important to follow the instructions of the master. Sometimes you get a healing and you want to publish it but it's not the right time. You want to give a testimony and you can't understand why you can't shout your testimony from the mountaintops and why everyone isn't falling over the words of your mouth. It's not the right time. You there's a reason and you don't necessarily need to know or know the reason why. But there are some things that God does not want you to publish, or at least not yet. In this case, we see that this man, he didn't lose his healing because he disobeyed, but he disobeyed God after receiving this healing. And he told everybody. He wouldn't shut up about his testimony. And that is not an honorable thing when God tells you not to tell anybody. That's not an honorable thing. He made it so that Jesus couldn't come into the city anymore. Do you suppose that there were people in the city that Jesus couldn't, that he wanted to get to that now he couldn't get to because this man blew it for him? I mean, we don't. We think, well, not necessarily us, but Christianity, there's a lot of people that think just because they've had a spectacular testimony or because they got delivered out of something, boy, that's their platform, and that's what they're going to tell, and, you know, I've had people get angry with me because they want to give their testimony, and I tell them no. No. It's not because I don't believe your testimony. It's not because it wasn't a miraculous testimony. It's just the Holy Spirit telling me no. And if I tell you no, that's what it's for. Then people go off and get mad because they can't give their testimony and they start talking about the preacher. We've got to be careful about this. Here's an example in the Bible, a scriptural example of Jesus saying, don't tell anybody about this healing. We've got to be careful about that. Just because it happens doesn't mean we need to tell everybody. But God would give you, if if this is, Speaking to you and your testimony, I'm going to tell you, if you desire to share your testimony, God will give you a place to share your testimony in due time. There might be things in other people that need to be worked out. There might be things in you that need to be worked out. You know, we don't know. Don't share it unless the Lord has released you to share it. And don't share it where he hasn't. He might release you to share it in one place and not in another. And that's okay. You just have to be led by the Lord there and listen. Okay, so let's look a little deeper into this miracle. Right here it says, And the leper came to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If you will, you can make me clean. So the leper came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. The first part of this miracle starts with the leper came to Jesus. And we saw, or we talked about already, that the leper was supposed to be outside of the city. He was an outcast, and he wasn't allowed to come in the city. So there were obstacles that he had to overcome to get to Jesus. And we can see this coming to Jesus when we... When we study Hezekiah, we'll understand that. But Hezekiah was sick, and he was on his deathbed in the Old Testament, and he turned his face to the wall. That is, he turned away from all of the people, all of the doctors, all of the the people that were saying things about his sickness and everything, and he turned only to Jesus. He turned his face to the wall to turn away from everything else and concentrate solely on the Christ. Hezekiah came to Jesus. Consequently, Hezekiah was able to live for 15 more years and consequently consequently this leper got healed because he came to Jesus. Okay? So the first part of the anatomy of this miracle is coming to Jesus. You have to come to Jesus okay you've got to turn away from something to turn towards Jesus turn away from the sickness turn away from the disease turn away from whatever it is you've got to turn away from you've got to turn towards Jesus and just like the leper there may be obstacles it may be that every time you open your Bible your friend calls it may be every time you open your Bible someone knocks at the door It may be every time you want to come to church, you don't feel good. It may be every time you want to come to healing school, something stops you from coming to healing school, or something tries to stop you from coming to healing school. You have to start overcoming these objections and come to Jesus. Come to the point where you need to be. Get in the Word, read the Word on healing, come to healing school, read the Word on, or listen to the Word on healing, come to church on Sundays. If you don't come here and go to your church on Sundays, you've got to have a place to go so you can come to Jesus. And don't let anything stop you. Nothing stopped the leper. He could have lost his life. They would have had every right to surround him with stones and stone him to death and walk away, and he would have never made it into this book. He never would have. But he risked that. He didn't know before he came into that town to get his healing that he was going to be immortalized in the Bible. He didn't know that. He didn't even know if he was going to receive his healing. There's no indication in this scripture that says he knew he would be healed. In fact, he came to Jesus because he knew Jesus can heal, but he didn't even know if he would. So he risked his life to get to Jesus Not even knowing if he was going to receive what he came to receive. That's seeking Jesus. And beseeching him or asking him and kneeling down. And we don't, he didn't beg Jesus for healing, he asked him, if you can. I mean, if you will, I know you can heal, but I don't know if you will. But he's asking Jesus. He's not begging him. There's no indication in the scriptures that he had to beg Jesus. Oh, Jesus, please heal me. Please heal me, Jesus. Please, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand I had to walk through the whole city. You don't understand the laws I broke to get here. Jesus, please heal me. I don't want to have to walk out of this city. Please heal me. He didn't beg Jesus for healing. He just asked him, Jesus, I know you can heal me if you will. And he didn't even know if Jesus would heal. We've already discussed that it's 100% God's will to heal 100% of the people 100% of the time, and he didn't even know that. He just came to Jesus and asked him, if you will. And then he did something else. It says, kneeling down to him and saying unto him. So he worshiped Jesus. See, pride will hinder your faith from working. Pride will hinder your faith from working. But this leper knew something. He came to Jesus, he asked him, and he knelt down and worshiped him. This leper was not worried about what the other people in the crowd would think if he got on his knees before the Lord Jesus. Look over in Luke again. In Luke chapter 5 of the same account, in verse 12, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, he had a bad case, seeing Jesus fell on his face. Sometimes you have to fall on your face before God. I mean, you got to lay down prostrate. Put your nose to the carpet and say, Jesus, I worship you. And you know you can be healed just worshiping Jesus. The leper was supposed to be alone. He wasn't supposed to be there. He didn't have to grovel or beg. But he worshiped. He got down on his knees. He fell on his face in the dirt. He bit the dirt for Christ. Sometimes you got to bite the dirt for Christ. You just have to get on your face. You know, lay on the floor and worship God for an hour and see what happens. Really, this is an assignment for you. Lay on the floor, put your nose to the carpet. And worship God for an hour. Father, I worship you. Lord, I worship you. Thank you, God. You are a good God. You are a great God. You are faithful. Lord, I worship you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Almighty One. Oh, I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. He worshiped him. He didn't care that anyone was looking and going to say, oh, look at that guy kneeling before the Lord. And when you're in church, when you're in a situation where there's worship going on, most people look around and think, "Hmm, praise the Lord. You know, praise God. It's a good song. It's a good this. And you're afraid to lift your hands before God. God. And you're afraid to get on your knees at the altar during the worship service. And you're afraid to shout hallelujah. Now, this is a shouting church. We shout. But there are people in our church who don't shout. They're afraid. And there are people in our church who are afraid to lift their hands before God because they don't want to be seen worshiping. Well, do you want to be seen healed? Sometimes you got to be seen worshiping to be seen healed. You just have to do it. You just have to worship the Lord. And you have to humble yourself. Let's look over at 2 Kings. Hold your places there if you can, and then we'll look over at 2 Kings. Chapter, I think it's five. Second Kings chapter five. We're going to look at this man called Naaman. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. And honorable... Because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Naaman had status. Nobody in this room has status like Naaman had. He had a lot of status. But he also had a problem. He also had a physical problem. But he had status. But he had a physical problem. But he was a great man. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a nice man. He was a great man. And he wasn't just great because he was smart. He was also a mighty man of valor. He had honor. This, this man, Naaman, I mean, he was a good, great man. He was honorable. When people saw Naaman coming, they probably saluted him. They probably stood at attention. Maybe they bowed down, we don't know, but they honored this man. He had status. You could say Naaman was dripping with status. It would be like if President Trump came in, maybe. We would honor, everybody would honor him, whether they liked him or not. He's the president, you'd honor the president, right? And um, he he had this, but he was a leper. And, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my lord, serve with the prophet or were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So this woman that was brought in to wait on Naaman's wife, she must have loved her master. She must have loved Naaman's wife. And she's saying, I know of a prophet in Samaria, and if your husband was with that prophet, he would be healed of his leprosy. And so they're talking about it in the next few verses. And it came to pass in verse 7. Let me see if that's what I want to do. We'll read verse... You know what, I'll just keep reading from 6. 6. And he brought a letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. So they're trying to recover um, Naaman by the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man does send me a person to recover him from his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, Um, how he seeks a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel rent his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So the first thing they did, because he had status, was try to go to the king. Sometimes when someone has status, or they have pride, if you will, they try to go to somebody who also has status or power. He went to the wrong place. But the prophet heard it, and the prophet said, I don't want my king renting his clothes. Send me the man, and he'll know that there's a prophet. There's a person that you can go to for healing. Obviously, it's Jesus. But sometimes you're trying to come to man, or maybe you're trying to come to a big minister, And you're not coming to your friend who also walks in the power of God. And you're despising your friend or you're despising the person that prayed for you because they're not Smith Wigglesworth or John G. Lake or somebody who's walked in healing for a long time. You've got to be careful about that, okay? And so then it says... I'm I'm just going to find my place here. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha so this great man Naaman comes to the door of the prophet with his horses with his chariots and all this stuff and he's standing at the door of the prophet knock 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 I'm here he's making pomp and circumstance are a thing And they've got all this pomp and circumstance with him, and he's coming to the house of the prophet. And the prophet, but Naaman, let's see. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, or he was angry, and he went away, and he said, Behold, I thought surely he would come out and stand and call on the name of God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. So here's Naaman coming with his chariots and his horses, and he's at the door of Elijah, and Elijah sends down a servant to give him the message. Now, Naaman's a great man, and he's not used to being treated this way. So he's mad. So he takes his chariot, and he peels out of there. He's so angry, he just peels out with his chariot and his horses, and they're going away. He says, I thought surely he would come down and strike his hand over the place and call on the name of the Lord and maybe call down fire from heaven. (laughs) That's how Naaman thought it was going to happen. Naaman thought there was going to be something spectacular. But he was missing the supernatural. This is an answer for you when people think there's going to be a spectacular salvation experience, but there's not always. Amen. So what happened? He was mad. He went away. And he goes on ranting and complaining for a little bit. And he went away in a rage. In verse 12, the end of that one. And his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, would, would you have not done it? How much rather when he said to thee, Go wash and be clean. So the, the servant is coming to Naaman and saying, Listen, if Elijah had came down here, called upon the name of the Lord, Struck his hand over the place and said, In Jesus' name, or you know, in the name of the Lord, I command you to, and then insert any great thing there. I command you to give all you have and sell it to the poor. I command you to go to war. I command you to do whatever great thing right there. Would you not have done it? Because Naaman was prepared to do all of the great things. He was prepared to do anything the prophet told him as long as it lined up with his status. Because he had pride. So the servant comes and says, all he's telling you to do is to go wash in the Jordan. You're expecting him to tell you to do something spectacular? And you're expecting to see something spectacular? But how about if we do this? How about if we just do exactly what the prophet said and see what happens? So then they went down to the River Jordan. And the River Jordan was a nasty river back in that time. It represented gross stuff. And I mean, this great man probably wouldn't have even put his toe in that river. And he had to dip in that river seven times. Imagine if Naaman said to his servant, forget it. I'm not going in that river. That prophet didn't even come out to see me. He didn't do it the way I thought it was going to be done. Let's just go home. Naaman would still have leprosy. But he said, okay, we'll go there. I'll dip. (laughs) I'll dip. (laughs) So he gets in the river, and he dips. And he goes down once, and he comes up, and nothing happened. And he goes down twice, and he comes up, and nothing happened. And he goes down three times, and he comes up. And nothing happened, even though Christ raised after three days. After three dips, nothing happened. And he could have said, you know, I've been in here, and I got down in the river, and I dipped three times, and nothing's changing, so I'm just going to go home. But he decided to dip the fourth time, and the fifth time, and the sixth time. And what if he dipped the sixth time? Time and he said, Nothing's happening, I'm just going to go home. So close to the finish line. He didn't know he was close to the finish line, he didn't know what was going to happen for sure. But he chose to obey the words of the man of God who sent his servant to him, and he dipped that seventh time. And when he came up, his flesh was brand new and the leprosy was gone and he received the full manifestation of his healing because he obeyed the prophet he humbled himself he was a great man he had great status he didn't have to humble himself nobody would have faulted him in fact Probably people would have agreed with him and said, wow, you traveled all that way and the prophet couldn't even come downstairs and open the door and see you. You mean to tell me that that prophet sent a servant down to speak to you? I can't believe he did that. And you know, all of humanity would have sided with Naaman. And your friends will side with you if you want to have pride too. But you've got to watch about that you got to humble yourself. You know, we have people come in here and they think, oh, the pastor's going to minister and lay hands on me and I'm going to go away healed. And you know, my answer is come to healing school. Come to healing school. And there have been times where people have listened and they've received healing. And there have been times where people have not listened and some of those people are in heaven because they couldn't come to healing school. And it's sad. It's true. I mean, real people that I actually know, that I actually ministered to, that the Lord told me to tell them, come to healing school. I told them, come to healing school. And, you know, they may have come once or two times, but then they didn't because it just wasn't a priority to them. And, you know, they're in heaven now. And praise God, they're in heaven, right? But, you know, they could still be here on this earth with us. They could still be serving. And doing and running and and running their race and finishing their course. But they didn't listen to what I had to say. I was speaking by the Spirit of God. I'm not trying to give myself status, okay? I'm just letting you know what happens. Because pride gets in the way a lot. And I know that I don't come in looking like Jesse Duplantis. Although I like, I mean, you know, he's a great looking guy, but I'm just not him. You know, I don't come in looking like that. So maybe my appearance doesn't command status like that. But people who don't do what I'm talking to them to do by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're missing out. And they're not receiving the blessings that they could receive. Just like Naaman, they go away mad. But Naaman had somebody who cared for him and said, hey, listen, I know... I know you weren't expecting that. And, and if they had asked you, if the prophet had asked you to do some great thing, I know you would have done it. So why don't we just go and obey it and do it and see what happens? And you know that's when he received his miracle, is when he humbled himself. And it's the same with this leper over in Mark and Luke. He came before Jesus and he kneeled before Jesus and he fell on his face before God. He bit the dirt before Jesus Christ and he said, okay, I'm going to humble myself before the Lord Jesus. I'm going to worship him. You know, sometimes when, when I'm ministering in, on Sunday service or something, there's praise and worship beforehand, and sometimes there's praise and worship here. And I've asked people, can you worship God on Sunday? You know, we used to have people that were part of our leadership team that I asked them, could you just worship God on Sunday? Can you get on your knees before God on Sunday and just really go all out before the Lord? I'm not asking you to make a show of it but I'm asking you to really worship, worship, worship on Sunday during praise and worship. And some do and some don't. And then those that do, receive. And those that don't, they don't receive. Or they don't receive all. They may receive some, but they don't receive all because there's pride getting in the way. It's stopping their faith from working. It's not stopping the power of God from working, but it's stopping their faith from working. And as we look at these miracles in the Bible that Jesus did, 10 out of the 19 miracles that we're going to look at specifically mention the person's faith. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has a lot to do with your healing. It really does. It also, the anointing on the minister has something to do with it. But you know, you can have a minister who is super anointed by God, and if you despise them, you're not going to receive. If you're not under their authority, you can't receive what they have. Without going deep into submission, that's why submission and authority are so important in the kingdom of God. You know, if you're in in the military, for example, and the person above you tells you to do something... And you don't do it, you don't receive the benefits of doing it. In fact, you receive trouble for not doing it, right? When you come, like if Naaman came to Elijah and didn't submit himself to the prophet... Elijah was a great prophet. He had double the anointing of Elijah. Remember that? Elisha had double the anointing of Elijah. Remember that? Because Elijah was the one that called down fire from heaven, and Elisha was Elijah's um, intern, basically, if you will. And when Elijah got carried away to heaven in a chariot, he had told Elisha, if you see me getting carried away, then you can have what you're asking for, which was a double portion of the anointing. So Elisha, that's helping Naaman get healed here and giving that word, had a double portion of the spirit of Elijah on him. But if Naaman didn't obey, Naaman wouldn't have received anything. So in this case, even though Elisha was highly anointed to heal this man, he wouldn't have received anything if he didn't get himself to the river and humble himself and dip seven times, right? So when you're dealing with a prophet of the Lord or a pastor or a leader in the church and they ask you to do something, if you're coming for healing and they give you a word and you're supposed to do it, if you despise them and don't do it, what do you expect to receive? Nothing. nothing. And it has nothing to do with the anointing on the person, but everything to do with whether you're prideful or not. Whether you are whether you think you know better. Now, Naaman could have said he knew better, and he probably did. He probably had, he was a great man. They probably had physicians all over the place. He probably thought, you know what, <laughs> I really don't want to get in this river. I really i am I'm mad. I can't even believe he sent his servant down. He didn't even come down to his face. I'm just going to go home and see what my doctor has to say. And if my doctor can do this, I'm just going to go through another round of treatment. I'm not going to listen to this man who doesn't even have time to give me the time of day, sent his servant down to talk to me. I'm going to go do it some other way. I know better than that. And you know, Naaman wouldn't have been healed. He had to humble himself. And if this leper that came to Jesus, came up to Jesus and said, you have to heal me because I know you can, he wouldn't have received anything. He got on his face in the dirt with a multitude of people around him. He came to Jesus And he flattened himself. And he said, I know you can heal me if you will. And Jesus said, I will. Be thou clean. I want you to notice something else about this. This leper knew that Jesus could. There was no doubt in this leper's mind can Jesus heal? He knew he had the power to do it, but he didn't receive anything until it was settled that he would. And you know, you can believe that God is real, and you can believe that God is good, and you can believe that God is God, and you can believe that God can and that he has the power to heal, but if you don't believe he will, You're not going to receive. You can die believing that God is good and that God can heal. You can die believing that God can heal. And there are many Christians that die in that space. God can heal, and then they die. And you hear them when they're alive. I know God can heal. I believe God can heal. I have faith that God can heal, and I know that God is real. And then they die. And then you start thinking, well, they had faith and they died. Did they have faith that God would heal? That it's his will to heal? Or did they just have faith that God can heal? Because as long as the leper knew that he can do it, but didn't know if he would do it, the leper was still a leper. He wasn't healed. Just because he believed he could do it, didn't get him healed. Just because he believed that God was good, just because he believed that God is real, just because he believed that there is a power that God has and that God could do it, if he wanted to, did not get him healed. And you've got to watch about that. When you're thinking back about people who have gone on to be with the Lord and hadn't received healing, You know, that can really mix you up inside if you don't differentiate. Well, sure, they believed God can heal and that God's a good God, but do they believe he will? Do they know that he will heal that leper and that he will heal you? Do they understand that it is 100% God's will to heal 100% of the people 100% of the time? Or are they putting in little disqualifiers? Because as long as you believe God can, that's great. But you can die believing in the power of God. You have to believe that He will and that He will heal you. That's where you have to believe. And you can be strong in faith in one area and absolutely weak in faith in another area. You can be strong in believing that God exists and that God can heal and that God has the power. And you can be strong in faith believing that God is a good God, that God is a faithful God. But you can be weak in faith believing that God will heal you. You can be strong in faith, believing that God will heal others. And you can minister and release healing to other people, but you can be weak in faith, believing that God will heal you. And you've got to build that up. And we know that Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God you got to kind of break this apart. Break your own faith apart and see where your faith is and be honest. Yes, I believe there's a God. Yes, I believe he's good. Yes, I believe he's powerful. Yes, I believe he can heal. Yes, I believe he can raise the dead. He can heal other people. He raised Jesus from the dead. He raised um, Lazarus from the dead. He can do anything. But do I believe that he will heal me? Do I believe that he's interested and will heal me? Or am I believing that there's something stopping that healing from coming to me? Am I looking for the reason why it isn't working? Or am I looking at the reason why it does and will? What am I doing? And be honest with your faith. Because the first step in really understanding and laying hold of the promises of God is taking a good, honest look at where you are at. Where are you? I believe God can. I believe he, he will heal others. But do I believe he will heal me? If so, Or do I believe that the word of God that god will work through me this is for ministering healing too if we had somebody that just dropped down dead right here in the front and i started asking you all do you believe that god can raise them from the dead most of you are going to say yes And if I said, do you believe that God's going to raise him from the dead right here and right now? Most of you will say yes. And if I say, do you believe that if I laid hands on this person, that God's going to raise them from the dead? Most of you will say yes. But if I said, if I asked you to come up here and lay hands on this person, do you believe that God would use you to raise them from the dead? And that's where you lose 80% of the Christians. They'd be with you all the way up until you put themselves in the mix. And you can't do that. And you've got to be honest about that. Because if you're honest about it, you can say, you know what? I am disqualifying myself from healing because I'm believing that I'm not good enough to receive healing. I'm believing that God isn't pleased with me, so he's not going to heal me. I have good news for you. God doesn't heal you based on his pleasure with you. God doesn't have to be pleased with you for you to receive healing at all. Because it's a finished work of Christ. Because it's a finished work of Christ, you can receive healing even if you don't think God is pleased with you. In fact, there's a scripture in the book of 1 John, and it says... If our hearts don't condemn us, we can receive anything from God. If our hearts don't condemn us, we can receive anything from God. But then it says, If our hearts do condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And that scripture brings so much peace and faith, and hope, and joy. To know that even if your heart does condemn you, that God is greater than your heart. Even if you're sitting here and examining yourself and saying, I believe God is, and I believe God can, and I believe he's good, and I believe he'll heal everyone, but I don't believe he'll heal me. And your heart is condemning you. God is greater than your heart. And it's God's will to heal all people for all time. And if it worked for them there, it'll work for us here. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never, ever changes. And if your heart is condemning you, and if you're one of those people that say, you know, I do believe in God, I believe he can, I believe I believe he can heal anyone. I believe in his power. It's so strong and so big. But I just don't believe he wants to heal me. God is greater than your heart. That's what the scripture says god is greater than your heart this is why faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of god because when you hear the scripture that says if our heart doesn't condemn us we can receive anything from god and then you see the scripture that says but if our heart does condemn us god is greater than our heart then you can lay hold and say i can receive Because even if I disqualified myself from that verse that if our hearts don't condemn us, we can receive anything from God, and your heart is condemning you and you've disqualified yourself, there's another verse that says if your heart does condemn you, God is greater than your heart. So then you still can receive. You still can receive full healing. God wants you to be healed. He wants to heal you. He's revealed his will and manifested his will in this poor leper that came and worshipped him to show us the revealed, perfect will of God the Father for all people, for all time, for you, forever. Whether you're sick today or tomorrow or 20 years from now it's still God's will to heal you Amen. not only can he but he will Amen. not only he can but he will yeah. we've got to sure our hearts up in that he will everyone say he will, he will. say he wills too It is his will to heal me. It is his will to heal me. me. it 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 is his will to heal me. Say it again. It is his will to heal me. Say it again. It is his will to heal me. Say it again. It is his will to heal me. Now say it like you believe it. It is his will to heal me. 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 me. You know why you got to say it? Because you believe yourself more than you believe me. It's true. It's true. You know what I do is I read the scriptures and then I play them for me in my own voice, because my heart knows that I'm an honest person and that I'm not going to lie. My heart doesn't know that every other person out there is honest. That's true. Bible says don't trust in man, trust only in God, right? But I'll record scriptures in my own voice because I believe what I say, yeah. and you believe what you say. Amen. Otherwise, why would you say it? It is his will, will to heal me. Say it again. It is his will to heal me. It is 100% God's will to heal me, to heal you. And we don't want to be stuck believing that God can and die believing that God can. We've got to come to a point where we believe that God will and he will heal me and he will heal me now. You know, sometimes when people get through can God and they get through the will God, they start thinking, well, you know, what's the timing of God? The timing of God is so mysterious. I'm going to break that up for you right now. It's not mysterious. If you, want to, if you can find a scripture that says, when they came to Jesus, Jesus said to them, I will heal you slowly over time in six months. I will heal you in two years. I'm going to teach you something in this sickness and let you suffer for a while, but then I'll heal you. And people think that's scriptural. Where's the scripture for that? It's not in there. It's not in there. In order for something to be scriptural, what do you have to have for it? A scripture. If you don't have a scripture for it, it's not scriptural. If you're believing that God said that he's going to heal you in six months, why isn't he going to heal you now? When people came to Jesus, people were healed immediately, and there were a few that were healed from that hour. And that's okay. But it wasn't six months. No. They didn't have to wait for their healing to begin. Even the, even the people who were healed from that hour, their healing began. Amen. When the word spoke and it was believed, it began to work. And it's okay if your healing does take time, but it's not God withholding. It's okay, hey, if you're receiving healing slowly over time, praise God for the slowly over time. Because you're receiving. You know, and one of my favorite things that Andrew ever said was, if you can move the devil an inch, you can move him a mile an inch at a time. Man, that's so true. If you can receive a teensy tiny bit of healing, you can receive the whole healing a teensy tiny bit at a time. Just keep going. Just keep believing. Just keep coming to healing school. Just keep confessing. It is God's will to heal me. 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 me." Just keep going over and over. Don't stop. If you're receiving some, don't stop. Don't stop receiving just because it doesn't look like you think it should look or doesn't happen like you think it should happen. And don't let anyone else talk you out of it either. You know, if you get through the God can and you get through the God will and you get through the God will heal me and you get through all of that and you're worshiping the Lord, you know, you're going to receive healing just worshiping the Lord. I want you to do this this week. I want you to go home, and I want you to spend time, at least one day, but if you can do all the days this week, do all the days. I want you to get on your face before God and worship him for an hour, an actual hour. And it's not gonna be comfortable. I'm gonna tell you that now. It's not gonna be comfortable. But keep your flesh under. Don't give up after 59 minutes. Don't give up after six dips. I want you to worship God for an hour. You don't have to do it every day. Just do it one day. If you want to do it every day, do it every day. If you want to do it twice, do it twice. I'm only asking you to do it once. And don't do it five minutes here and five minutes there and hope that it equals up to an hour at the end of the week. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. I want you to get on your face before the Lord Jesus and just get on your face. Like really on your face. Like really on your face. Like lay on your floor, face down, worshiping Jesus. Now your flesh is not going to like this. If you can even get yourself on the floor, your flesh is not going to like this. And it's gonna yell at you. It always does. It's gonna say, well, we hurt. Well, we need this. Well, we ne-. you might fall asleep. You might pass out. You might. You know what? Don't beat yourself up over that. But stay there for that hour. And if 59 minutes and 35 seconds have gone by, stay. Stay, force yourself to stay there. It's going to help you get your flesh under control and knock that pride out of you. You want that pride gone because God gives more grace to the humble and he resists the proud. Get on your face and worship God for an hour. Lord, I worship you. I praise you. You're a good God. I worship you. I love you, Lord. I submit to you. I worship you. Lord, I worship you. You're so good. It is your will to heal me. It is your will to save me. It is your will to love me. I worship you, Lord. I thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus on the cross. Thank you, God, that by his stripes I was healed. I worship you. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the creator of heaven and earth. Lord, I worship you because of who you are. I worship you, Lord, because you are good. You are faithful. You are the definition of good. You are the supreme being of the universe. God, there's no one higher than you. There's no opinion higher than you. You are worthy of all of my worship. I worship you. And just go for an hour worshiping him lavishing him with love and attention and and praise and when you find your mind wandering just reel it in and bring it back i know this is a serious assignment and i know an hour can be a, for some of you it's not even a like it's a kind of a joke because you do it all the time but for some of you an hour is a long time that's okay do do it do it anyway Amen? Just do it anyway. Just get into his presence. You have a lot of hours this week. One hour over the other isn't necessarily more holy. Just pick one and stick to it. And if you fail for some reason, you get to start over, not from where you left off, but you get to start over from zero. You get to start over from zero because that's what the exercise is. If Naaman got out of the river after five dips, when he got back in, I would think that he'd need to start over at zero. So if you get up after a half hour, if you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. But then get back to it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray, and then I'll take any more questions that you have. I hope you have questions. It's okay if you don't. But, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you are revealing your will to us, that it is your will to heal us. We know you have the power. We know you have the will. And, Lord, we submit to your will, which is complete healing of our bodies. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm gonna, before I close with questions, I'm going to say this. You don't know how important submission is. When I submit to the will of God, I'm submitting to healing. Get it? Mm -hmm. But when I kick against the will of God, I'm also kicking against my own healing. When I read in the word that it's God's will for me to submit myself one to another, to pray for my people in authority, to not be in strife, to whatever it is that God's will is for me, and I kick against that will, I'm also kicking against healing. But when I submit to that will, I am submitting to healing. I'm submitting to prosperity. I'm submitting to restoration. But if I'm not submitting to God and I'm doing my own will, I'm submitting to my own will, which tells me that I'm not good enough to be healed. I'm submitting to my own will that's disqualifying me from receiving the promises of God based on something. But if I will submit myself to God, if I would really say I'm not my own, I'm bought with a price. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Master. And if he's my master, whatever he says I'm going to do, I'm submitting myself to the Lord. I'm also submitting myself to healing and prosperity and deliverance and promotion and restoration and all of those amazing things that come with God. You can't receive everything that God has for you and not be submitted to him. You can't. There are... Healing maybe, but sometimes no, it just depends. But there are are things that the Lord has for you that you will not receive until you submit. Not only to the Lord, but those who are over you in the Lord. If Naaman didn't submit to the prophet Elisha, he never would have received his healing if he didn't do what he told him to do. When Jesus told the man, and we'll look at this later too, that he put clay on his eyes and said, go wash in the pool, in a specific pool, if he didn't go to that specific pool, he wouldn't have received his healing. Mm -hmm. He had to submit. And it was at a great cost to that man. And we'll see that when we get to that miracle. But I hope this is blessing you. I hope you're understanding how to lay hold of healing. Because when you get this, you're going to walk in divine help and whenever something comes up against you you're going to be able to nip it in the That's bud right, and knock amen. it down amen. and you know in a year from now you're going to be walking in such a healthier place than you are now even next week even in a, two weeks from now three weeks you're going to be in a higher place receiving from god amen. than you are now and you're going to be able to help other people amen. who are hurting who are sick who are dying who are wrecked with cancer and wrecked with incurable diseases. You're going to be able to bring them the good word of God Amen. because you're going to be so sure that the anointing is going to flow through you and get all over them and heal all their mess. Amen. And they're going to be thanking God for you, Amen. and you're going to change lives. Amen. But here's where it starts is right here in healing school. Week after week after after week, after week, line upon line, precept upon precept, growing and knowing and growing and knowing. Amen. Amen. So now I'm going to open it up for questions. Um, If you have any questions, I'm going to ask that you stick around for questions just because you may also have this question later or it may spark a new question for you. So are there any questions? I answered it. Praise God. All right. Do you have another?
1: I I was always wondering why God would heal something and not the other. But I would never say he will. I just said, God, take this away or help me. I never said that he will help me.
0: Well, now you know. Praise God. Well, we expect to see differences. Well that's a good question and I'm glad you mentioned that because I meant to say this he did have faith he believed that God could but he didn't have faith that God would you can be strong in faith that God exists and that God can and that God has the power to do it but you can be weak in faith thinking that God will and that's where he was and you know the difference between him and other people who didn't receive something that day is that he asked the question he said i know you can but i don't know if you will so he asked the question and once his question was answered he received healing and this is why i love questions because i believe when your questions are answered you're going to be receiving healing all over the place, and nothing's going to stop it. Amen. Nothing's going to hold it back. Nothing's going to slow it down. Amen. But you've got to examine, and you've got to ask the questions. Amen. There's no stupid questions. Just ask them. Amen. Because once those questions are answered, healing will come. Amen. You'll receive. Amen. Amen. Any more questions? No more questions? Ask another question.
1: Will God if you wish God to heal you, but you have no faith, will he?
0: I believe he will. <laughs> faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. That's in Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word. That means the more you hear in the word, the more faith you're going to have. And the more faith you have, the easier and quicker you're going to be able to see manifestations of healings and other things in the kingdom of God. So stay in the word. That's why now you know, and I know you, that's why I told you, read the book. Open it, read, that's why you're writing some scriptures out. Read the book because when you do, and you're doing it, and I'm, I'm very thankful to God for you because you're getting scriptures that other people, I've given them the exact same assignment and they don't treasure it like you do. They don't do it. And you know what? They're not receiving what you're receiving. So I honor you for that. And I know you're not perfect. I'm not saying you're perfect. Don't, don't anyone misunderstand me. I'm just saying you honored that assignment that I gave you and you're doing it. There's been ups and downs, but you're doing it and you're receiving stuff from God that's going to last you your lifetime. Just like Naaman, who humbled himself and went and did it, you humbled yourself and you're doing it. And I know there's struggles and I know there's times and it's a cost to you and I get that, but you're doing it and I honor that in you. And you keep doing that, and you'll keep receiving, and your faith is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And there'll come a time, John, when nobody is going to talk you out of anything that God has for you. There's going to come a time when nobody, when the devil himself could come and talk to you, and you are going to have those scriptures at the ready, and you are going to shut down the devil, not only in your life, but in the lives of other people. If you'll keep doing it, Amen. Amen. if you just line upon line, precept upon precept, just keep going. Amen. Be persistent and be faithful and watch what God does. Because you have a right heart. Amen. You, really Amen. you really do. You really know, do. Go ahead. Right. that one is on the one that's the, the, faith the, the faith of the minister. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Well, that's what I mean, minister the faith of the believer, one one ministering. the one ministering, whoever it is, whether they have a title or not, it doesn't matter. It's the, if you go to pray for someone who's passed away to bring them back, in that moment, if you have faith, it will happen 100% of the time. Yes, sometimes they can. Yes, sometimes they can. Sometimes they can. And there's a lot of ministers that do that. Um, a lot of those people don't necessarily keep their healing. Like, they don't lose their healing, but they get sick again. Oh yeah, because they don't have the work mm-hmm. Right. And so, I guess that's their point of contact at that point, because that's what they know. Right. Me, you know, and if they happened. go back to that same person, they'll probably get healed again but then they'll get sick again because they didn't build up the word and yeah. they didn't put in the time. Then you have to learn that, well, I, that was when I was young and didn't know as much, but then as you mature, then you... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any more questions? What do you mean, what happens to their prayers?
1: Like, if I pray for you, you passed away. I prayed for Pastor Cindy and hoped she made it into heaven. Well, she'll be there, right? Well,
0: yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> well, okay. So if you're praying for somebody to be healed on this earth and they pass away, it doesn't nullify the prayers that you prayed. If they were to be resurrected from the dead, they would still be healed. You've prayed your prayer. Okay? If, you're, if somebody passes away and they're not saved and you're praying, trying to pray them into heaven, you're wasting your time. Okay, if they're not saved, you've got to bring them back from the dead. Right. If they're saved, let them go. Yeah, really? But if they're not saved... You have to bring them back from the dead so that they can, because you're literally pulling them out of hell so that they can receive Jesus and go on to be with the Lord. Ryan, when he was working at the hospice, and you know, the hospice is where people die, right? Yeah. So he's sitting with people and they're dying, and he can tell if they're saved or not because sometimes they pass away. And it's so peaceful and the room is just filled with the presence of God. And it's like the ushering in of their saints, right? (laughs) And then there's other people that he's sitting there and all of a sudden like the hair on his arms are standing up and it's dark and the people go screaming. Some people go screaming. (laughs) And he's called a couple of them back. And they've come back to their bodies. And he said the salvation prayer with them because by then they know. And they go on to be with the Lord. (coughs) But, yeah, it's, but if they're not saved, you need to call them back. You need to use your authority in Christ, which you'll get there. And you'll call them back. Any more questions? more questions all right amen well we're dismissed and hopefully i'll see you guys next week or sooner
1: That's what